Hi. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Um, how are you doing? I know it's like funny when we're getting into the virtual reality of all of this. I know. <laughs> we live in so many dimensions, you know, and everything is live but not real. <laughs> so it's interesting. It's my first time doing live, actually. You know, I'm not used to, to doing any podcasts live on Instagram. <laughs> so. I know. It's only my second time. I've been playing with like Instagram, Facebook. It's, it's crazy. It's all mm -hmm. crazy. Um, but just so people know, we are on Zoom as well. And the information is on our posts uh, on Instagram, um, where Chelio Bourdine is actually uh, creating a live work of art, transforming the, the vibe of our conversation into artwork. He is a medium and a perception artist. So really, really cool. Um, thanks for coming on, Eugenia. Of course. Yeah, you know, when I heard about your project, the humanizing the icon, and I know you've been in Venice Biennale and working on series of the film. And, you know, it's always interesting to talk to artists about art and films. And, you know, I think it goes even deeper. So I'm really excited to, to chat with you. Yeah, I loved our initial chat as well. I feel like we have so much in common in terms of, like you said, kind of feeling into the different dimensions of uh, our existence, especially right now. Do you find it to be like a particularly creatively potent time, like being in quarantine and just the whole experience? How is it for you? Of course, it's definitely amplified. And I think a lot of great creators, you know, through history, um, they created and like their creativity actually amplified when they were alone or in, in hard circumstances. Like you can see a lot of incredible inventions come out when you are secluded or there's a war or something like that. Because as humans, we're so resilient, you know, and I found it to be actually an inspiration. Of course, I go through so many feelings, you know, just being compassionate and empathetic to people who are, you know, who are suffering more in this mm -hmm. situation but you know i think as an artist you you definitely you know you kind of take everything that's that's there yeah somebody pointed out that as artists we actually have a responsibility to document this unprecedented time like do you feel that too like it's it's like our job yeah, I mean, it's anytime. It's, you know, it's much more than you art. And whatever you put, you, you always ask why you do it and um, how is it helpful or add something of value to the world. So, especially, you know, I, I think any art is a mirror of what's happening in the society to some extent. So, absolutely, even in these times, it's amplified. And what of the like many crafts that you are passionate about do you find yourself kind of like focusing on the most right now and because i know that you are into fashion and you are a model and very expressive in what i've seen like it's mm -hmm. not conventional a lot like you're really embodying different aspects of the feminine and different energies um and mystical too and warrior like i mean it's so powerful what you do and then you're also a comedian and you're also an actress 
um, it's fascinating. So what are you focused on now? And uh, yeah, just tell me about that. Um, I'm focusing now on uh, learning math and how to teach my kids <laughs> school. Oh, <laughs> nice. And art in itself, huh? <laughs> yes, yeah, it is. You know, never knew I'm going to become a teacher because I've been just modeling since I was a child. So it's interesting. I actually learn a lot of things about, you know, history and um, there's always things to learn. Um, creatively, I feel I'm actually doing a lot of virtual shows. I'm doing one with Flappers Comedy Club in LA and it's mm. kind of like that. It's by Zoom, so I'm going to do it from my closet. <laughs> oh, cool. Yes, tomorrow. Oh, no, on Saturday. And, oh yeah, tomorrow is Saturday. Sorry, I'm like losing, you know, perception what of time. time and What yeah, time? So, um, it, we're doing it at 6.30. Oh, cool. Okay. There's a lot of comedians who, who are doing that. And I've done already a show in the studio with social distancing. Uh, and we, you know, donate our time for like Doctors Without Borders, lots of different kind of oh, shows. Wow. And yeah, I'm learning how to sing, which is so terrifying. I have a project where I have to be a real singer. And I think I denied that for such a long time. Because growing up in Russia, we were, you know, in post-Soviet times, it was hard to find your voice. Um, we grew up in actual food lines and there was no food. <laughs> wow, yeah. So it's, it's very interesting because this project came to me um, and it's like, you have to learn how to sing now. There's no way. And it's so terrifying, but I'm um, working with my coach, Greg Seffel, um, every week and we're learning the songs that um, the filmmakers sent to me. And it's very interesting. Oh, that's fun. What kind of music is it? It's kind of like slow pop i would say more slow pop i mean the character she she is a lounge singer but she's an actress who's like a singer so you know i, I don't know exactly how to describe music it's kind of new for me even though i finished the school in russia on piano but um you know i was kicked out a lot of times <laughs> oh my god why you're unruly um, <laughs> you know they were so strict when we were growing up unless you like would compete for olympics they wouldn't take you so you have to pass all these exams like i i was um ice skater and we had to pass so many exams we have to train so hard like on ice cold weather no matter what so i pursued that and then when i wanted to start to do music and go to music school they actually said well your hearing is not really good so <laughs> actually oh um we're not gonna take you but i'm such a persistent person that I, I think I auditioned like seven or more times and at the end they just let me in and, <laughs> and I learned to listen I think through you know through the music through like playing piano and that just shows that anybody is it's possible for anybody to do anything in life mm -hmm. yeah that's incredible um and so when did you come here from Russia um I moved to Paris when I was 15 I was scouted by an agency and it was kind of end of soviet time in russia and a lot of companies like coca-cola and other american companies they started coming they needed models for advertisement mm -hmm. and that opened the whole market like i don't know if you remember in modeling there were a lot of brazilian models and then russian models who you know came it was a very different time than now all the influencers obviously it was kind of end of like supermodels and then all these exotic girls were coming in and that's when i moved to paris and um <coughs> Um, one second. Is that okay? I know it's live. It's not like edited, but I think I have to open the door for my kids. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Okay, no problem. I'll be back. So I'll fill people in. Um, I'm Jennifer Delia. I'm a filmmaker, writer, director, producer, um, and an artist. Uh, I met my, my daughter. <laughs> oh, how old's your daughter? She's eight. Aw, nice. <laughs> um, did you, yeah, finish, you can go back to what you were saying and then. Um, so yeah, I, I started modeling when I was 15, but it was not really, like we didn't really have an industry or any glamour. It was more to make money for my family, you know, cause my dad actually was a nuclear scientist, but he was making less money than I was as a model, which was wow. really crazy at the time. So I moved to Paris and kind of was sending all my money, saving them and sending them back to my family. And um, then I moved to New York after. Cause it's wow. Did you want to be a model or was it something that kind of found you? I wanted to be an astronaut. So, oh. but it's interesting because you know, women were not very encouraged at that time. They're like, well, you can downgrade your dreams and be a flight attendant. Gosh. You know, it's very interesting. So I wasn't really flight attendant. Even that though sounds my... like such a nightmare to me to be a flight attendant. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wanted to travel and I feel like air is a big element for me. I really, you know, used to do skydiving and my friend, um, he's a pilot. So we used to fly a lot. Um, so I really wanted to, you know, to explore and I was very curious and I left space because my dad used to work on the space project in Russia and he used to bring all this kind of toys. We didn't have a lot of toys, right? It wasn't like all the, all the stores had a lot of toys, but my dad actually used to bring these things that astronauts were training on. Like there was a disc where you rotate so fast that like you you actually can sustain you know when you go to space so i used to train and all this toys <laughs> and so like cool. getting ready to go to space <laughs> it was really far from modeling or where i finished <laughs> but you have like a wild imagination i think so yeah i was a very sensitive kid and actually even my teacher said like i'm too sensitive so i should be homeschooled <laughs> because i just um i just feel a lot of you know people's energies things like mm -hmm. that so yeah i i started i think i started creating my own friends because you know i was also an introvert so my imagination kind of developed through that and since they told me like i'm too sensitive i i think i got sick on purpose as a child a lot so i didn't have to wow. deal with rejection <laughs> wow you know who that reminds me of actually um andy warhol oh, interesting. yeah, yeah yeah, he had some interesting, like, social rejection issues, like, within, and, and it happened to him, literally, but it really, like, cultivated his, his art and his persona, which brings yeah. me to humanizing the icon, too, in terms of creating identity. Um, our first conversation was about, you know, that, that, kind of exploration that I'm on where Mary Pickford was the portal and then like you said we landed at the Venice Biennale to um, exhibit art that helped us open up that paradigm of what is icon what is human is there a difference um, so what like attracted you to that subject upon like our first 
you know, conversation? And how do you think about that? Because you've, you obviously wear a lot of hats and do you kind of feel like they're different characters or do you feel like they're all integrated? How do you perceive that? Well, it's interesting because I grew up in, in Russia and I finished now in Hollywood. So it's a very different perspective. You know, growing up, I never had icons. My only icon was like one of the astronauts uh, who's a teacher um, who went on Challenger. So that was the only icon I had. Mm-hmm. But other than that, you know, I don't really believe in the icon. It's very interesting now being an actor and being around actors you know what is what is the icon and what is human mm-hmm. and I think to be honest with you I, I think sometimes it's easy to I, I think it started from like archetypal history of like gods when we worship gods you know and they were mm-hmm. icons mm-hmm. and um, I think people do that when you I, I think someone will do that when they don't feel they're in control or like it's easy to to give somebody else the power but what I learned from, from everything for me is like, once you take your power back, then you're equal with anybody, you know? So it takes a lot of self-work, but then you don't have, you don't need to blame anybody else for like good things in the world, or bad things in the world, because we iconize, you know, a human person and give him all this power so we don't have to deal with ourselves, I think, you know, in some ways. Absolutely. And so in terms of even the situation now, you know, like this virus is becoming an iconic virus, you know, I think of icon as something that sort of appears to be larger than life. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily a person, it can be a trait, it could be love, it could be a political movement, you know, an iconic moment in time. People want to blame a lot for what is going on right now. And like you said, hand the power over to the system or someone or something. What do you think about that? Or what would you say to a friend who is actually doing that? Yeah, absolutely. It's so easy to get overwhelmed with uh, messages from outside, you know, in the news and, you know, there's not enough of, negativity uh, that goes around I think it's important to stay centered and accept what is happening and um, it's kind of similar to me you know to improv (laughs) because you have to be present in the moment accept what's happening and say yes to that and then see what you can you know how you can help and like in present situation a lot of things are happening like in your mind you know and it's swirling but if you center like and right now i'm present i'm right here i'm healthy you know so it's not like i don't need to take a lot of negative messages i can just see what i can how can i stay positive and what i can do about the current situation and for example like i found a way to get masks and send them to some nurses you know and like it's so great there's so much there's so much going on that you can do you know or or just stay present where you are that helps you know consciously i think also so are you staying away from the news or from media i am still human you know <laughs> of course i get overwhelmed especially i try as much as i can just to balance 
you know, myself through the day because I have kids, so I actually can't, you know, given on the outside, I'm responsible for, you know, their well-being and my family and like my dog and things like that and my friends, you know, and supporting. But of course, there's just so much bombardment that, you know, there, there was a day when I just collapsed and, you know, I, I think as an artist, you go like up and down or like any person, you go up and down, it's impossible to like be on one wave and be, and just, you know, be not conscious about others and what's happening. What do you, do you see any silver, like what's the silver lining right now for this moment? I feel for every person, it's so personal, you know, I think it's not, it is collective for sure. And um, I mean, I have been working a lot since my dad, like he worked, he was a nuclear scientist, but he also really, really worked on ecology because he was the first one to go to Chernobyl with Kurchatov. I don't know if you guys seen the series, but um, you know, our government didn't allow to to disclose information how many how much territory was affected. So they really felt they were responsible for these people getting sick and they couldn't reveal information. Um, but I think so. So I'm also working a lot on ecology. You know, and before all this happened, we were trying to like eliminate. We're working with Fran Drescher Foundation, uh, Cancer Spencer, trying to eliminate like plastic use and you know we're trying to collect plastic from the beach and uh, right now you know of course it shows like there's the pollution and the air you can you know you can research it's it's much there's much less pollution and you know as humans i think we can come back and be more conscious about that like not littering you know i can't believe i still see people when they wear gloves they just throw them in the parking lot and i'm like you know it's so easy to be just conscious about putting this glove in, into the trash or, you know, anything like that. Like small acts of kindness, I think a lot of people would come back to that when we're back, you know, hopefully. Yeah, and just like the reminder that we are part of the ecosystem. That we're yeah. Not, we're not separate from it. And I think that's like, it's, it's such an amazing reminder. Um, so what is it that you find fascinating teaching math? Is there like, <laughs> like, how do you go about that? Um, I mean, it's it's different system in US, you know, I grew up in Soviet Russia, so it was a completely different system. Uh, but it's interesting. I mean, I, I, I think we talked about it. Like I, I love quantum physics. I have a lot of friends who are very, you know, into like, all these things and actually my friend I think who's here uh, he lives in Palo Alto and um, you know we researched a lot of new technology and like all these scientists so so it's interesting I mean it just coming back to basics I think all the universe is like a you know is perfectly in balance in a way there's a lot of research on you know like sacred architecture and how flowers are made perfect and you know this kind of thing so it's math you know all the beauty <laughs> in the same way in yeah. chaos there's beauty absolutely order. um so going back to the icon for a second mm -hmm. um do you think that there's like a way that we can actually shift the paradigm to where we can get away from idolizing i hope so i think 
it takes you know self-awareness and self-power and i think it's a gradual process just seen from my industry for example for modeling mm -hmm. it was such a standard of like this is the idol you know and like all the magazines like you have to be blonde and like obviously i'm blonde but you know there was like a specific idol but now there's so many more models you know there's all kind of models young older models you know ellen musk's mom was like seven in her 70s and you know she models so i think it's a diversity and once we realize that like anybody can be a model there's no such standard of like you're beautiful and you're not you know but it takes a lot of self-love and consciousness and awareness to take that power back mm -hmm. do you think beauty itself could be the icon and beauty as in like an inner beauty you know that maybe sure. people are seeking something outside of themselves because they're not aware of their own inner beauty it sounds almost like silly to say it because it's kind of like a new age conversation a lot but i mean it like to really connect with that self-worth you know and that for sure i think also as women we're just not taught to support each other it's interesting and it's so easy to go into comparing like oh you know like i wish i was like thinner or like i wish that or this or like having a negative saying like oh i'm too old to do that you know mm -hmm. and i feel like if we consciously each other support each other that's why i started actually not i started but we started with a few comedians this amazing um you know amazing group and we travel around the country who knows when we can travel now but yeah <laughs> travel around the country and they're incredible you know comedy it's a very lonely world but i feel like i found such an amazing group of friends and artists and we're you know very supportive of each other and we all do comedy and i i think there is a hope you know for like self self-love especially I think for women, you know, to support each other. Mm -hmm. What did you think about like the Me Too movement? Um, when you talk about like women supporting each other, do you feel like that has been an important step in the progression? Um, yeah, I'm just it's curious. very complicated. I think if you're not in a situation, I'm not in a position to judge, you know, what really happens to people, of course if i was there that would be like a different thing you know and i think it's very important um it's important to have a voice to say how you feel you know and important to listen to both sides you, you know um and it's not it's about power it's about abuse of power not specifically gender you know because i think there are men who also have some issues you know it's it's really that and my friend and um somebody you know chiara telesi she runs organization we do it together mm -hmm. so i think it's the next step where actually we're not scared of like oh okay i can't like touch you like at all because you know because I, I feel like a lot of i have a boy and a girl i have two boys and a girl so how do you raise boys also in this climate you know so it just i think there's a next step where we find solutions and not just blaming but i think it's a step obviously you know to to reveal the trauma and then heal it yeah and you talk about um this like 
the carefulness of not touching, mm -hmm. which is like a double meaning in terms of the pandemic. Sure. Right? This transition into like back into society. What's that going to look like? Are we going to be different with like our affection? And what do you think? Do your parents, do you talk to your parents about this stuff? Do they um, have... Well, I grew up in Russia, so our culture is a little bit colder. It's interesting, right? Like in Italy, they have, or Brazil, like I used to go model to Brazil all the time, and everybody's just hugging and dancing together. And in Russia, it's more like, I need time to really know you. Okay, um, yeah. So it's interesting also, you know, by, by different cultures. I think it's such an important thing. Like we share intimacy as humans through touch. So, you know, hopefully it will go back. Yeah, so it's interesting that the pandemic comes off the heels, too, of Me Too, both about physicality, proximity, how boundaries, um, like kind of almost humanizing movements in a way where, but I agree with Chiara in terms of how do we change the narrative? Like, how do we integrate as whole people the fact that we all embody the masculine and the feminine, right? Yeah. My friend Emma Pine is here. She's one of the comedians on, on the tour. So happy to see you. Hi, Emma. <laughs> you know, it's so, so amazing to see so many women in comedy just really excited and so many talented and diverse voices. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. So that's like a, that's an arena where you really see like the integration of the masculine and the feminine and sort of um anything goes right kind of for sure yeah you take power um on creating your story that's what i love like mm. nobody just tells you oh you only have to play like a russian whatever you know cliche you actually can educate people and heal people and yourself obviously too through narration that you create and you have such a power you have a voice you know it's not just socializing it's actually saying your true message and comedy it's a lot of times interesting because like when i do podcasts people would say like oh are you funny like tell me a joke or like in social situations <laughs> and it's you know i'm not a person who is like always like let me tell you jokes because comedy is not about jokes at all it's about facing the truth and the more deeper you discover it with yourself and the situations that that occur to you and your strong point of view about that that's what people relate to and that's why we laugh we laugh because we recognize you know it happens to everybody and it's it's honest so you draw from your own personal narrative for your shows for sure yeah i think the more personal you get the more honest you are you know mm -hmm. so it's it's always it, I, I love comedians because they're people who like jump off the cliff and, you know, just go for it. So I think right, yeah. I admire people who take a lot of courage. But musicians, I mean, there's so many different artists that can judge one medium over the other. Are you into the law of attraction? Like, of course. Yeah, absolutely. How does that connect to your childhood in terms of, you know, being introduced to quantum physics and stuff so early well it's interesting because growing up like in post-soviet russia there was a lot of propaganda especially in like history books 
Like we knew it wasn't like the history, it's gonna change, it was changing, but you know, for 70 years, like it was one thing. And we were taught also like not to draw outside the lines, to like follow the rules. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to speak up, you have to raise your hand. Like we were taught and very strict and there was kind of a lot of negativity in myself when I was growing up. And I remember it came to Paris, I was this introverted child you know, not like a model, like they used to send me on castings and some girls, they have that confidence and presence maybe, you know, but I would come and just like try to disappear. And I was like, no, I'm not pretty enough, whatever, you know, like all this narrative was running. And then I just remember when I started kind of studying about the thought process and how, you know, the law of attraction um, and just working on my thoughts and being positive, everything changed. Like I would come into, into the, you know, casting or audition or whatever with like 50 girls. And I would just, I feel like I had a different vibe. And that's why I started booking jobs and changed my life with everything. By being yourself. By being myself and also having, you know, just being aware of the like critical parent. They're different, they're different ego stages that like I'm studying now in acting so the critical parent comes in and it's still there but I'm just toning down that voice (laughs) so you know it's it's self-awareness and also like when I started acting I started after having kids and like people would say like you're crazy you know people start this medium when they're kids you have an accent like there's no way like you can do anything there's like nothing so I feel whenever somebody says no to you, it's more reflection of their level and awareness yeah. than your yeah. own. So yeah. it's interesting to discover that too. Absolutely. I felt like I got a lot of resistance to um, growing up. I grew up in Kansas and actually my great grandparents and stuff are from Russia. So we have that in common, but um, I'm not familiar with Russia as a place. Um, But yeah, I grew up in a situation too where there was a lot of resistance to the pursuit of, you know, my dream to be a storyteller and to become a filmmaker, to be an artist, you know, writing was always my passion since I was really little and um, uh, psychology. I was really into uh, what made humans behave the way that they did. Like I would have, I swear these out of body experiences. Like, I don't know if you ever had one. I did Alaska. (laughs) Yeah. How was that? Okay. (laughs) I feel like I interrupted your message whenever you were trying to conversation or this is cool. It's like that though. Go ahead. Yeah. What was your experience with uh, plant medicine? Um, it's interesting because, you know, a lot of, um, I heard a lot of my friends who are like musicians started doing that and then some actors and, um, I kind of got a hold of that. So I wanted to try it and I actually, I never done any like drugs or mushrooms. Like it's it's just, I feel like my system is so sensitive. (laughs) I can only process wine. (laughs) Can you say where in the world you did the... I did this in Los Angeles, so you definitely, what I I would advise anybody wanting to do that is like to research uh, the circumstances and, you know, talk to to somebody who facilitates that and it's really important. It's not like an easy process for sure because you definitely meet a lot of your demons. (laughs) 
I worked with it as well. Yeah. 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 It's, it's very hard to describe in words, but I, I feel like it saved me so much years of therapy and, um, you know, kind of had a lot of revelations about myself and life and kind of taking responsibility for anything that happens in my life. So that was really cool. How many times did you sit with it? Uh, I've done it once. So for me, it was so much. And it's interesting because I never perceived myself as like a controlling person. Mm-hmm. But because it took me so much out of control, I was actually like, no, no, no. Like, I want to be back, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, it scared me. I think I'll go back once I'm more ready for that. But I, I felt it gave me so much. And what's interesting is like, I'm kind of a person who's always trying to stay on the light side and, you know, like encourage everybody and, you know, let's do it. Like there's so much, like I'm always pursuing the light, but what it taught me that like, you have to fall in love with your darkness too and integrate that because it literally like when I drank that tea, it took me to hell. And I was like, this is not what I was like expecting. (laughs) But then I like, and it wouldn't take me out until I learn how to love all my shadows and dark sides and accept that and that's when I had a lot of revelations you know about life and also love like I learned that you can't love can be dependent or codependent and I you know I'm learning about that in relationships of course we are all dependent on each other but like it truly taught me that true love like even for my kids I can't learn them and like depend on you know on them like it's because it's like my mother image, like I'm a mom, so it identifies me as a mom, right? So I can love them only unconditionally and let them be who they are and not project on them. Absolutely. And okay, so I've had, so I've worked with shaman as well and have had some really powerful experiences. (laughs) Are you seeing people you know? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I know, I saw my producing partner, Martine, pop up too. (laughs) Hi. Um, and I've had some people like in the indigenous community, uh, speak about the time that we're in right now with the pandemic as, you know, a ceremony for the world, right? Like Mm -hmm. we're going through like a purge, um, as a collective. Sure. And it's sometimes important for us to not, um, like you said, project. Mm-hmm. on to other people about oh I feel sorry for them oh you know like go into fear and um n- not be supportive right like when we're in fear and we're just worrying about people and we're just panicked like the people in the hospital the people on the front line the people like really going through some super challenging experiences right now. Mm-hmm. Um, what does the shaman do in ceremony when you're going through that? You know, they, ask a ceremony? Or just in, yeah, in any, it, they hold space for that. Mm-hmm. They don't stand over you with fear, right? Like they, mm-hmm. they help you to move that energy through so mm-hmm. you can get to the other side like you're talking about. So I often think about my role in this pandemic as like raising my vibration as such a vital aspect to helping everyone move the energy through. Does that, does that make sense? 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I, you know, I love your message and uh, Mary Pickford is such a fascinating, I think we need to talk more about, you know, the, the character and uh, your film, I can't wait for, or TV series that you were creating. It's so interesting. You know, I would love to know more. I started researching. I did know that she created Hollywood and Oscar and it's kind of not known, right? She's such a... About Mary Pickford? Yeah. Yeah. And she's, she's cool too. She was really into indigenous wisdom too. Um, and she was around during the pandemic a hundred years ago. So it's kind of a full circle. But yeah, she was the mother of Hollywood and she um, did all those things. She founded United Artists, was the female founder of the Academy. Um, but, but mostly what I love about her was just her like support of artists and community and pushing artists to not um, dumb down the medium for the masses, you know, but to really be fearless and uh, raise the bar in storytelling so that we can help humanity expand. You know, she was talking Absolutely. about that a hundred years ago. So I think that's, that's powerful. Um, and at this time, it's really cool to be kind of rebirthing her in a way, you know? Yeah. Can't wait to see the, the like series of the film. It's definitely a story that, you know, it's fascinating, especially like if she was the first producer and also an actress, you know, it's great to see now a lot of women in Hollywood who are taking, um, you know, taking in hand in their own hands the narrative of you know their storylines and things like that. Yeah, she's definitely a pioneer of independent artistry, and uh, yeah, someone saying I don't know if you know this person, Joseph Campbell would say we are going through an experience of the epiphany. Mm -hmm. Um. That's a cool message. Yeah, it's like an awakening, you know? For sure. Yeah, I love actually um, meditation. We, I do a lot of meditating with this uh, place, Spirit Talk, and we do silent retreats with my husband once a year, and they have really cool online meditations now. And there, yeah, there's, there's a lot of interesting messages. Are you finding meditation is like helpful? Oh, absolutely. I mean, just refocusing and stopping, you know, the chatter. Like, we're so busy, and I'm guilty of that. I'm the person, like, all of my friends know, like, always up, always running, always doing something, you know, like, there's a new project, there's a new film, there's, like, everything. I need to do everything. But now you're just forced to to quiet down and calm down, and I feel like meditation is so helpful with that. Are you meditating more, would you say, right now? Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah, of course. Absolutely. You know, it's like as a mom and like a working mom, sometimes it's just hard to find that space. But what I learned through this time, for me, it's very important now to learn boundaries, you know, setting boundaries, even in, in the space like that, like you haven't seen kids now because usually they run in and out and like everybody wants, you know, you to, to do something and like, you know, you, you're a caretaker. So it's very important to set up also your space and, you know, self-care. So you have really cool art in your house. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, my husband loves collecting art. You know, I, I love different works more from perspective, just, you know, whatever, like, appeals. Yeah, I have this piece behind me which says we will meet again, again, and again, and again. So... <laughs> Yeah, that reminds me of like the quantum. <laughs> That's really oh, cool. Yeah. Who are some of your like favorite artists? Um, Klimt, 
I like, I just, oh, yeah. I, and it's so hard to say, like, who's your favorite artist? Uh, I love Laura Owens. I actually had a privilege to go to her studio, and she's just such incredible craftsmanship. You know, sometimes you don't realize until you really see the work that goes behind that. Mm. So you can see her art, you know, all over, like, in Roma and, like, different museums, and it was just, it's just so specific, and she, you know, she used to teach art, and just how much she puts into her work um so yeah i mean th there's so many interesting art i love barbara kruger i don't know if you know about her she's a conceptual artist and she i have a cup with like from from some museum and it's all it talks about like she's kind of showing people the materialism and what it does to us as humanity so it's very interesting too like you know about icons and like objectifying some things or you know material things and getting attached to them or concepts so she she's really cool oh she explores that attachment yeah I yeah that's really cool yeah do you do you get attached to things like from the past well you know what i remember one of my teachers like very early on said that you'll be happy if you're not gonna attach to anything and i think i was 15 i was like what but like I have nothing and like once I became a model and I earned my first salary I remember I bought a Prada bag I was like yes now I can afford this <laughs> because you know usually like as a model you wear all these dresses but you obviously have to give them back after your job is complete mm -hmm. <laughs> so uh, I did get attached for sure especially as somebody who comes from like nothing I bought this Porsche and I was like yes you know now Whoa. I have a Porsche <laughs> but I think like last year, it really came to me. I think I was at Cannes Film Festival and it felt like I have everything, you know, like all this like glamour and like, you know, all this material things, like after working so hard. Mm -hmm. And I felt like, you know, that's not it. Like I really, really came to conclusion. I started reading book, this second mountain, you know, they said there's like a second mountain when you learn your true purpose in life. And it's beyond just like achieving or accumulating or being that like material success or whatever, you know, whatever you want to like have kids or, you know, whatever is a, as a person like you were trained by society to achieve. And then there's a second mountain when you actually learn things that matter and like why you're here. So, you know, definitely working on that. There's a hierarchy of needs like you probably know, you know, from psychology. So, yeah. Are you into Buddhism at all? Um, I'm not religious. I'm more spiritual. So I really take from every religion and I think all the religion, they kind of have a silver lining in them. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's hard to like follow, you know, a guru or somebody else like that. It just, you know, I, I want to have my self power, but I'm definitely very spiritual. Did you happen to see that documentary that was in Cannes a couple of years ago about the Pope? I haven't seen it. <laughs> No, it's okay. I went and saw it in a theater in New York and me and my dad were the only two people in the theater. So I don't think it was really marketed much, but um, it did open in Cannes. But there was just this really powerful image in that, in that documentary with um, religious leaders from all different religions with their arms around each other and basically saying that they're just wearing different outfits and at the core of it all is really this universal love. And yeah. it was so powerful. I was like, 
why doesn't that go viral? Why doesn't an image like that go viral? Well, we're, I think it's a, it's a level of like evolution of consciousness, you know? Mm. So as a collective, I hopefully like your story will be told and it will make people curious about other things, you know? And I think it's all about curiosity and learning new concepts because it's so easy, you know, so by society or culture to, to stop learning at some point too, you know, like you're told what to do and you just get lazy and like, you don't want to learn concepts outside of your perception of reality. So I think once, you know, you, you open up those little doors, like you, you have more curiosity to learn different things. It's so true. I was just talking about this with a friend, like how you, you actually have to become aware that there's another way to see things, even if you don't know what that other way is. It's like, we're so at the center of our belief structure mm -hmm. that we don't often even know that it's just programming. Absolutely. another way. For sure, and I think that's the most important skill in life actually is to keep learning. You know how like at a certain age, maybe some people repeat the same stories over and over. And like, I, I have this whole program where it says like you have to learn a new skill every time. If you write with right hand, start writing with left hand. Mm -hmm. And it will unlock some pathways in your brain that like make you see things in different ways or learn a language. And it's so easy just to slack on that, you know? Like you have all your comfort and you never wanna, you know, do something that you've never done before. Exactly, yeah, like drive a different way to work. It just like, <laughs> it makes you like be awake, you know, because otherwise you can drive somewhere without even being awake, basically. Yeah. Well, you know, the Truman Show, like I know that you, you like, you know, Jim Carrey's work and as an artist, I think he's got a lot of films that kind of show that, right? Yeah. I love Eternal Sunshine. It's one of my favorite mm -hmm. movies, um, for sure. Yeah. I think just like in conclusion to this, to this talk, which has gone in so many different directions. <laughs> like, it's amazing. I love that. Um, artists are really great channels for breaking down um, these different, these different paradigms that we're exploring, you know? And I think it's really cool that you walk in so many different arenas. And I think you really push yourself outside your comfort zone and probably have many, many times. And that's really why I wanted to talk to you and like find you really, really inspiring, you know? Yeah, thank you so much. I mean, I'm really inspired by your storytelling, you know, and your understanding. And I think we need more authors like that for sure. And, you know, congratulations on your Venice Biennale. And I can't wait to see what you're going to do with that because that's, you know, that's power. And like when you have it, it's really interesting what, you know, what you're going to do with that. So I'm looking forward to that and I love your message, you know, humanizing the icon and um, bringing it to, to awareness and spreading it <laughs> in a good way. <laughs> Thank you. And like, can you see Chelio on Zoom? Yes, yes. Show us the art piece, Chelio. Too bad you can't see it on Instagram, right? No, can, oh, I but... turn my, can I turn my phone? Will it work to show it? So cool. I'm here, okay. <laughs> Can you see it? No, can't see it. I see your couch. <laughs> your green couch. <laughs> it's a... Uh, uh, We're going to post it anyway, but that's a powerful image. Chelio, can you tell us what it um, is? Is it cloth people, Eugenia, in her life? 
have a I lot can of hear him at least on instagram it's like silent maybe oh, no yeah i turned on the the volume on zoom can you oh. can you do that eugenia and then you can sure. okay there you go okay and then um it's coming, it's coming a lot of people. Uh, I think uh, Eugenia, uh, the live Eugenia live is full of uh, uh, full of people, um, and uh, uh, is two double double no double personality, but is two style of life. One is uh, a reaction to the all uh, maybe business or contact, and the other is. Uh, uh, I think so is uh, um, a d the dark side for respect to the family and then I think so because uh, uh, I think this family is very beautiful and then is uh, she uh, sh she divides self in two person uh, in life one is work and one is family uh -huh. and, uh, I, what this is what coming uh, um, from my um, uh, perception, yeah. Okay, cool. It sounds, yeah. It sounds like it's like the the different layers of your psyche. <laughs> yeah, I think you know. I, I feel like it's important to keep some things private, as like your family. It's you know, it's you can't just like put it out all the time. But yeah, definitely. Like I, I thank you for channeling. <laughs> Yeah, it's beautiful, Chelio. It's really beautiful. Um, thank you. Thank you. A lot of energy is coming inside of this. I'm tired now. Oh, you felt, he said he felt a lot of energy um, yes. coming yes. from this talk and he's tired now. <laughs> yes, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know. I can't wait to walk, watch this talk because we like we're both non-linear so we went <laughs> i loved it um all right i guess that's a wrap for today but thank you so 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 much thank, thank you. you yeah my first Everybody. time doing this so thank you for <laughs> and you really are a light you really are such an inspiration so i'm excited <laughs> to keep keep uh keep an eye on you and collaborate yeah can't wait me thank too you. Bye. Bye. Bye.